0: This is Closer to the Fire, from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, with a focus on the persecuted church around the world, I'm Greg Musselman. Nineteen years ago, two Eritrean pastors were arrested and remain in prison to this day. During the early morning hours of May 23rd, 2004, Pastor Holly Niske and Dr. Kiflu Gebrameskel were arrested and taken from their homes. Pastor Holly was the leader of Eritrea's Full Gospel Church, which at the time, Comprised of 120 to 150 house church meetings, and the church actually was into the thousands. And Dr. Gebremeskel was a leading figure of the Full Gospel Church of Eritrea. Pastor Holly has been moved to various locations since his arrest, but there have never been formal charges against him, and he has not had the opportunity to defend himself in court. Pastor Holly is married and has three children. Dr. Gebremeskel was a mathematics lecturer and a department and faculty head at the University of Osmara until 1999 when he became a full-time pastor at the Southwest Full Gospel Church. He is a PhD in mathematics from the University of Chicago. Now, all of Eritrea's evangelical churches were closed by a government decree at a meeting with a government official in May of 2002. And at that time, church groups were given an application form for government registration. Well, the full gospel church filled out the form, as did many other churches, they returned it to the appropriate offices, but no reply was ever given. And joining me to talk about the situation in Eritrea, and not only those two pastors we were just talking about, but also the recent arrest of evangelicals in the East African nation, is Dr. Brahani Asmalash. And Dr. Asmalash currently serving as the director of Release Eritrea, that is based in the U.K., It's an organization dedicated to supporting persecuted Christians in Eritrea. Dr. Asmalash, welcome back to Closer to the Fire. Thank you for having me. Now, this story of uh, Dr. Kiflu Gebrameskel and Pastor Holly is one that I've been following for a number of years. I actually spent time with them in Asmara prior to their arrest. So I've been talking about them and it's hard to believe 19 years has now gone by. Is there any update on these two brothers?
1: Uh, We don't hear much about uh, them. The only uh, opportunity is when they visit uh, the hospital, some people see them. That is the only uh, way that we know they are still alive. Otherwise, visitors are not allowed and we don't get any news from inside the prison. So we hope they are doing well. Uh, But um, very rarely uh, when they visit the hospital, that's the only way. We'll know
0: about them. And I know for their families, it, uh, it's so painful. Um, you know, I was talking to one of my friends that I work with at the Voice of the Martyrs, uh, uh, Floyd Brubell, who is our CEO. And we were discussing, you know, Pastor Holly and Dr. Kiflu Gebermeskel. And he's saying all the things that I have done over the last 19 years. In fact, I've been with the Voice of the Martyrs Canada now for 20 years. So it was early in my time with VOM that I got to meet these brothers and, and others uh, in Eritrea. Of course, we did a report on that and to think that they had and even if they were to get released tomorrow we pray that continue that they would be released but they've missed a lot of the life of their family you know their children are getting married and becoming grandfathers and they're not able to be with their families
1: yeah that's really sad Uh, 19 years is life sentence and without charge it makes things worse and when we uh, when we think about their children about their wives I don't know how they uh, they're managing it's uh, painful Uh, yeah so
0: yeah Yeah, it is it is extremely painful painful. Um, and the fact that they're not charged so what what does the Eritrean government say why these men are in prison
1: Um, yeah the government doesn't say uh, much about prisoners whenever uh, they are present or um, any of the ministers are asked by foreign journalists they deny it. Uh, I remember um, in the early uh, years, so about two thousand six or two thousand five, uh, when the uh, information minister was asked by by the BBC, he said, "No, these are not religious people; they are politicians." And I remember the BBC uh, journalist said, "So what's 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 wrong with politics? Because you know, even if they are politicians, they don't deserve to get arrested." Uh, but there is no answer Uh, but lately they start to deny so they don't uh, answer anything about that they don't say anything about prisoners of faith
0: yeah i know they just deny it and yet over the years there have been you know thousands of evangelicals that have been imprisoned Uh, some that i have met actually that escaped the country and are now living in uh, where you are in the uk or canada australia and, and around the world and, yeah. uh, and they're telling the stories. this is why we were put into prison, yet the government continues to deny, deny that. Has there been uh, any pressure put on uh, the Eritrean government by, you know, in the United Kingdom, the United States, Canada, and trying to get them to say, well, you know, these, these people should not be held against their will?
1: I think the, there was some pressure from the UK, I remember, uh, three years ago, but uh, it, it was not strong. Uh, there was a lot of pressure from the U.S. because uh, the U.S. was putting Eritrea on the top 10 list of religious persecution. So that's... uh, uh, and briefly uh, they they removed from that, but I don't know at the moment if it's back now on the top list. Otherwise, uh, we don't see a lot of pressure from any of the Western countries. That's also really, uh, you know, frustrating. Uh, we we've been campaigning for that, uh, but they they promise they will do they will put some pressure, but they don't.
0: Is that because Eritrea's kind of fallen off the radar in a sense where you've got all these other things happening, and you know Afghanistan, what's going on in the Ukraine with the Russian attacks? I mean Sudan, there's just so many places around the world where there's turmoil, and. Eritrea has gotten forgotten. And I mean, for us as believers in Jesus, we cannot forget what's going on there.
1: Yeah, Uh, Eritrea has little uh, impact on the international uh, uh, geopolitical, uh, uh, what you call, influence. So they don't care about what's happening inside Eritrea because it doesn't have any impact. It doesn't bring any impact on uh, on the international community. So that's the main uh, thing. And the American government knows how to play uh, with uh, uh, with the geopolitical si- situation on that area. Sometimes he goes to, you know, he sides with Russia, sometimes he sides with China and sometimes with Arabs and sometimes now again with Ethiopia. So our, the American president knows how to play the international community and Sometimes they forget about all these uh, prisoners. There are tens of thousands of African prisoners, especially prisoners of uh, conscience, politicians, and also religious people. So, uh, you know, we we want more pressure, but we don't uh, get that. So that's really uh, frustrating and very sad.
0: It is very frustrating and very sad. So back in May 2002... um, the Eritrean government, you know, contacted and brought in evangelical pastors. Why were evangelicals targeted? What was the what was the con, the threat that the Eritrean government thought from uh, evangelical Christians?
1: There are two uh, things, two sides to it. One is uh, the Eritrean government is a communist government. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Eritrean president, he was in China during the early seventies and he was indoctrinated under uh, more uh, socialism. And after, since then, um, there was always, uh, they've been always anti-religious, anti-West. So that's one thing. The second one is being a totalitarian government, he wanted to control every institution. So for for him, he can easily control, uh, for example, the established church like the Orthodox and the Lutherans and even the Muslims, but um, they found it difficult to control the evangelicals because we don't um, we don't have this central uh, what you call uh, authority uh, uh, on us. So even when they uh, start to cl- to shut the church, they arrested the top leaders. So they thought if we arrest the top leaders, the church will disintegrate. But it didn't because our leaders are not like uh, popes; they are not. Are, uh, of course, there are our leaders, but the top authority for evangelicals is the, the scripture. So the church continued to grow. But the main thing is, first, they wanted to control every American citizen. Secondly, because they are uh, communist background, also uh, forcing them to go that way.
0: Yeah, it's hard to know what goes on in, you know, some of these uh, dictators and how that they, you know, come to the point that they are where they become so uh, you know, aggressive and trying to hold on to their reign and and becoming very, you know, evil in what they're doing. So, Dr. Brahani, I mean, there's some good news that comes out of Eritrea. We report on it on the Voice of the Martyrs. We have what we call the Persecution Prayer Alert. And so we're constantly following what's happening in Eritrea. So we'll hear, you know, some leaders get released. So that's a good thing. And then we hear others being arrested. Uh, so why? How do they determine, or do, is there any, you know, method to this? And how some leaders are released, and people like Pastor Holyniski, Doctor Kiflu Gebremeskel remain in prison after nineteen years?
1: Yeah, there are uh, different reasons for uh, the release. Um, for example, the top leaders. Um, they, they think they are uh, they can influence more because they are well educated and they were leading by uh, by influencing you know uh, it's not just ordinary people so that's one thing they, that's why they are not released. Um, another thing is many people they are asked to renounce their faith to sign and whoever they sign they get released but others also, uh, for example, about two years ago, there were about 200 people who were released. All of them were released without in their faith. Hmm. And at that time, um, Elisha wanted to give uh, hope uh, to to the international world so okay. that they are changing. Okay. That's what I guessed. So uh, about 200 uh, prisoners were released. In uh, 2020, I think it was in 2020, September and uh, uh, August. But since then, they start to arrest more and more and more. In the last year, more than 400 were arrested. Uh, and hundreds of them have been released, but 300 remained in, in prison. So sometimes they give us hope and we think there, will, there might be change, but it's a very short, uh, short-lived they go back to their previous uh, um, situation, so they arrest more and more. Uh, yeah, that's
0: yeah. That's the thing I've noticed is that uh, you know said, "Hey, there, here's some even people that have been in prison for more than ten years. They're released, and okay, there's some hope." And then there's this clampdown again. Do we have any understanding why now again there seem to be you know the clampdown and the arrests of these Christians?
1: It's um, the Iranian the government is very paranoid government they uh, I was asking one of the ex-prisoners who was in prison for about 14 15 years and I asked him uh, why why that they said they they say that uh, we want to overthrow the government so they are they are very uh, uh, par- paranoid mm-hmm. uh, if people gather secretly they might one day uh, have the power to influence the, the people and overthrow the government. So it's fear that makes them uh, arrest. And also the Erythian government can't control uh, anything in Erythia, but apart the evangelicals. They couldn't control them. They arrest hundreds, especially this last year. For example, uh, it was around September, I think, 150 people gathered in one place. So they were arrested. Uh, About 50 of them were released right away, because most of them were not Christians, but 98 of them remained in in prison until now. Uh, Then over the new year, uh, 44 people were celebrating the new year and arrested. And after that, 30 people were arrested. And uh, about two weeks ago, again, uh, 103 or 4 singers were also arrested. So for them, it has been uh, un- uncontrollable. Whenever they are with them, but th- they find other people who still meet for worship or for, you know, uh, for singing. So uh, that makes them very fe- fe- uh, uh, fearful. They, they mm-hmm. are afraid one day these people might uh, influence the whole community and they can come out of them. because. The Iran government control every uh, way of life. You cannot have your own business. You cannot do anything. You cannot talk. You cannot even think. So, but these Christians becoming free. Uh, they, they are still free for the past twenty years. Uh, they have done all sorts of cruelty against them, but they couldn't control them because there are still many who are ready to die for their faith. They 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 take it as joy, you know, dying for uh, for Christ. I, I ask them, especially those who spent uh, over 10 years, 12, 13, 14, 15 years, um, if they ever regret it, and they say never, because they have done it out of their love of Christ. It's not a sort of uh, following uh, one form of religion or ideology, but it's their commitment to their faith is their commitment to Christ. And uh, I am definitely sure that what Haile and Dr. Koflu feel at the moment. I know them very well. Mm. They are very committed, brave Christians. And uh, I know uh, what they feel. They will be satisfied with what they are doing because they are doing it for Christ. They are not criminals. They haven't committed any okay. crime. So it's... Uh, we have similar, you know, testimonies of hundreds of Ericans who have been through all this uh, ordeal, all, through all this hardship and suffering, beating, torture. Uh, recently I was talking to one uh, lady who lost her sister in prison because of torture. And she was uh, still, you know, praising God. Uh, it was her twin sister who died while being tortured. So we hear all these stories. It's horrible, but at the same time also, we praise God because we have many people who uh, are ready to sacrifice their life for their Savior. So we can see real disciples. Uh, and I'm glad working with all these uh, real Christians, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it makes uh, uh, life, you know, worth sacrificing yeah so it is sometimes you feel the same like the new testament church uh, like uh, when paul or peter when they were persecuted they were always praising god and we hear the same also testimonies from the elephants so that is a positive side of all this persecution
0: and that really goes to the understanding that many of these believers have in what the scripture teaches and i I remember interviewing a brother, uh Kedani Gebremeskel, who I also met when I was in Eritrea, now lives in the United States. He's actually stayed in my home, and we've become friends. I've met his family. But when I was doing an interview for this podcast and also for a TV program, I involved one of the hosts on 100 Huntley Street. He talked about it was a free gift to suffer for Jesus. And I know when Canadians and people in the UK, United States hear that, yeah, okay, I know that's in the Bible, but these guys are really living it. I mean, the testimonies, and I know that inspires you, that inspires me, that's what keeps us going. And even when we're facing these difficult situations and trying to bring awareness and trying to get these people out. But what does that do then? Uh, Because a lot of people you're talking about have got out of the country. Um, Mm. How does that affect then the church? Because when we think about, okay, from a practical standpoint, again, we know, know the Bible is clear. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The kingdom of God continues to advance. We know that but we also think practically speaking if you have all these you know powerful leaders these men and women of god that are standing firm teaching the scripture if they're in prison or they leave the country once they're released from prison what does that do dr brahani to the church there um with the leadership and in discipleship because again when you think of it from a practical point how does that work
1: yeah it's it's working well because god is raising new leaders sometimes mm-hmm. if we have Uh, permanent leaders, you know, we block from new leaders from coming uh, through. But uh, what's happening in Eritrea is top leaders are either in prison or leave the country, but always somebody replaces them. And the one who replaces them sometimes does better than the the senior uh, ministers. So because this is God's work, it's not, uh, you know, Humanly th- uh, thinking, it is really sad to lose some precious leaders, but God always brings new ones. And sometimes you say, "Where did you learn this?" We, you know, we ask. We always ask them, "How do you get this?" Who? I I know one uh, prisoner. He was only one year uh, when he was in prison, and after eight years, he was released, and he became a true Christian. And I said, "Where did he learn it?" He had enough time to read the scripture, to share his faith and to pray. So that's how he uh, he grew in, in faith. So you we find always uh, a lot of people after 14, 15 years in prison, they are so you know, mature and they become good leaders. Uh, of course, if they say that we sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's too much for them. So, and also they've been, they are always uh, monitored by the security. So it becomes difficult for them to minister uh, inside the country. So that's why they live. But God always has his own people here. I mean, raises new uh, people. So that's what we've been seeing for the past 20 years. Uh, And uh, we have more Christians now than 20 years ago. Now we have more pastors than 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So how, we have more, yes, uh, yeah. So
0: how did that happen? Like, I, I know they're meeting secretly, and I heard the stories even meeting yeah. in the middle of the night in a cemetery, and they have to be very discreet and very careful. Yeah. But pastors are being raised up, and leaders are being raised up yeah, in the yeah. midst of yes. this persecution? Yeah. Wow.
1: Now we have hundreds of pastors. Uh, I, I remember when I was there 20 years ago, who I, I, I almost know, all ministers, I mean, Full Gospel, Caliwood and other uh, Churches, but now they are in hundreds. Uh, so, how they were raised? Most of them were you know, matured inside the prison or in the house churches. And most of them are new, I, even I don't know them. And they are young, in their 20s or early 30s. So. Well, that's what we uh, we are seeing in Eritrea. So we are filled with hope when we know about all these ministers. They don't get paid most of them because the church cannot uh, cal- collect uh, offerings, uh, and it's difficult to to you know to to organize uh, uh, this tithing or offering. But many are willing to minister freely if, if they have what they eat or drink. That's that's enough for most of them so it's uh, amazing what's happening inside Eritrea
0: and it is difficult to get funds into the country and I know that that's a part of what you do we're not going to get into how that happens and how organizations like the Voice of the Martyrs and others trying to help you know in terms of Getting some funding in there to help these brothers and sisters, uh, t- just to have a meal and to be, you know, just the very basics of life. So, we'll continued to do that. But when you look at uh, the situation in Eritrea, and some people say, well, it's a Christian country, you know, like, same Ethiopia, you've got the Orthodox Church, and yet the Orthodox Church is you know, one of the groups that are allowed to meet, religious groups are allowed to meet. But they've also run into some problems as well, especially for those that have stood up, you know, for the evangelicals and even their own faith where they have saying, no, it's it's not about the religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And that puts them in difficulty as well.
1: Yeah. You know, the government uh, uh, likes to interfere in religious affairs. So the Orthodox Church is under full control of the of the American government. Uh, I remember about 15, 16 years ago, the patriarch uh, was replaced by a new one for uh, challenging the government. And actually, he died while he was under house arrest. He oh, was in his nineties when he was when he died. Uh, and also, there are some Lutherans also in prison at the moment. Um, the government tried to control every bit of the, uh, uh, you know, of the. Um, of our um, actions uh, especially religious activities uh, but it's worse uh, among the evangelicals yeah
0: Mm. yeah because they tend to be the ones that uh, you know i mean as followers of christ and whether we use their word evangelical or whatever is to tell people about jesus and that's you know why we supposed to do or to go into all the world and preach the gospel and bring people to jesus and disciple them and that's happening in eritrea as you're talking about dr brahani that in the midst of persecution imprisonment torture you can't meet publicly and yet the church of eritrea continues to grow and we know that the holy spirit is working and that's what that's the hope that we have it's it's not a man-made organization yes we try to do what we can to support our brothers and sisters But it's God that is working, you know, in a powerful way. Something you mentioned earlier, Dr. Brahani, uh, in mid-April, a group of 103 young Christians, uh, um, they were from actually a technical college, and they gathered in the Eritrean capital of Asmara. The purpose, they got together, was to sing songs of praise. They wanted to record those songs and then share them on YouTube. However, uh, these believers were not members of the government-approved church. We just were talking about that. So their meeting was deemed illegal. So the authorities arrested all who were present. And according to at least the reports that I've seen, and you may have some more information on this, these Christians and were then taken to a terrible prison. Is there any update on that situation, Dr. Prahani?
1: Yeah, um, yeah now they are taken to Mysorema prison. Uh, mostly, who uh, most people who are sent to Mysorema uh, is like long-term prisoners. So that's why we think It is terrible and these young people, most of them are in their um, late teens, like 18, 19 or 20, 21 and they are mostly college students. Some of them were graduating students this year. Um, Some of them are on their fifth year on the uh, engineering, uh, what you call, uh, faculty. Mm -hmm. It's really um, disturbing, you know. Sometimes you see why all these hundred meet together, and uh, it's not for us to to say why did they do that because they that's what they do. They 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 gather and sing, and they haven't committed any crime. Uh, I don't I don't blame them. Uh, that's what uh, you know. It's it's natural. It's like breathing. Uh, we, you don't question somebody for eating or breathing that to, in order to survive they have to do that. Uh, of course they could have done it in a small groups but they' are young also they're right, full yeah. of so sure. that's what they did um and I have I have, I have heard their uh, one of their previous recording uh, they're amazing they're so talented uh so um it's really sad you know uh, and they were arrested I think after they finished their recording so just they were uh, relaxing in the nearby cafe so that's how they were also it was during the good friday. So in Eritrea, good friday everybody fasts. So the, these people were in the cafe so they attracted i don't know uh, some uh, attention but they are young. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that's what young people do everywhere in the world. <laughs>
0: yeah, well and I, I know you and again I've you know traveled to many countries where you have to be so careful sometimes the music is too loud it draws attention or there's you know people gathering and then there's suspicion and all the rest of it and again we're you know not going to cast any kind of blame on these young people they want to be together they want to record some music from their heart so what's what's the situation right now uh, are they still imprisoned or some of them in prison some have been released
1: no they're, they're, uh, so far almost all of them are in prison uh, yeah. All of them are still in prison.
0: Have has there been any charges filed against them or?
1: No, no, there is no charge. Uh the African government never charges people. Just they keep them there. And that's why we 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 keep on putting pressure because it is what the government is doing is illegal. It's against humanity, you know. Uh, you cannot just to put people in cages and keep them there for four years. It's, it's 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 a crime. Um, So that's what we should, uh, you know, um, uh, pressurize the government. That's what we should do because this, whatever it's done, it's a crime against uh, humanity. You cannot put these young people in cages and, you know, uh, pretend as nothing is happening and they haven't committed any crime
0: and there should be an international outcry and, and again i know yeah. there the attention is you know focused elsewhere and and that's yeah. it's not right and we need to continue to bring these stories forward i mean here's just some young people uh you know getting their lives you know sort of the next chapter and working and you know schooling and everything that they're doing and and now having to languish in a prison and, you know, we will continue to pray for them. I know it's one of the verses that we have from Hebrews thirteen three is remember those in prison as if you were in prison with them. And, uh, you know, we, of course, the pastors we talked about earlier, 19 years, and now these yeah. young people having no idea and their families as well. Uh, what's going to, you know, take place. So we'll, we'll continue to pray about that. And then there's another tragic story, pastor by the name of Tesfai Siam. He's the founder of a church in Eritrea. And uh, because of his Christian faith involvement in, a, again, a non-approved religious group, Pastor Tesfai spent 10 years in prison. And then while in prison, again, these are deplorable conditions. These prisons, yeah. you talked about that, and, and then these shipping containers – well, this brother pastor testified developed a brain tumor, and then uh, members of his church they, you know, were putting pressure on the government and uh, you know to get him some medical treatment. Finally, uh, prison officials sent him to treatment at a hospital in Asmara, and unfortunately, he died five days later. And uh, his pre- and the- here's the thing that's even makes this even worse is he wasn't even permitted to be buried in a local cemetery. Why was that?
1: Yeah, the the government's trying to, because in in Eritrea, um, burial is one of the most, what you call, pressure thing for a family. So people are worried about the place of their burials. Uh, So especially in the Orthodox community. And by the government, by putting pressure on the community not to allow burial grounds for evangelicals, they think eventually, because of that, people will renounce their faith it's not going to happen but that's what they thought Hmm. and this um testify he's actually a member of the mennonite uh, church it was uh so they they were in Ethiopia most of the mennonites but uh i remember he uh i met him once in in erica when he came uh there Uh, he was young when i when i see him i I can uh i I remember a young person that's about 25 26 years ago and um, he was uh, arrested from his house. Uh, he was not arrested in a meeting. They they thought he was a leader, so they when they searched, probably they found some church material. Of course, if you search a pastor, you will find a Bible, you will find some uh, church documents. So they kept him in prison for over 10 years. And uh, when he was sick, he was not released. So sp- somebody with brain uh, tumor doesn't mean it's deadly, uh, we, we, we never know, yeah. even if it was um brain tumor, in medicine we call it a space occupying lesion, which means any any growth in brain is, is, is dangerous. It could be an abscess. it could be tuberculosis, it could be a cyst, any even benign uh, tumor is deadly because there is no space to grow. Yeah. So this person, he he showed some uh, like uh, symptoms of this space uh, occupying lesion. But he had no chance, uh, had no opportunity to be uh, see, to, to see a doctor or to do a scan. And his, I think some of his friends asked for treatment to go abroad, but they were told still he was a prisoner, so he was not allowed to to leave the country. And when he died, uh, it was not for him, but it was for the family. Now it's a burden, because what do you do with without without burial? What do you do with the body? Uh, he was in the morgue for two weeks. In the African culture, normally we we bury them the second day, right? Yeah, uh, maximum the third day. Otherwise, we don't keep uh, them for weeks. Uh, so it is uh, it's, it's unthinkable so it was really sad uh, moment uh, the, the the government tried to 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 say so it was not our fault it was the village who refused his burial that's what they put it in the government's newspaper but in Eritrea, not a single village has the right to say no to anything that the government orders so it was not the village it is a government who mm. uh, denied burial for Tesfai. yeah
0: so where eventually was he buried
1: he was buried in the in the city cemetery uh, in uh, in the public cemetery not in the village so eventually he was was buried
0: Mm. i was just actually at a funeral on the weekend uh her brother-in-law passed away and you know i mean as tragic as it is and all the grief and then if you were to add that layer onto it not knowing if you could bury your loved one and you know for for many people it's very important to have a place where they are they can go visit Mm -hmm. and that's that's important and again to use that tactic to try to get people to deny their faith uh again it just it's hard for us to understand that but if you can put young people in prison or if you can keep you know believers in prison for decades I guess something like that is not surprising. But when we read about it, we hear about it, we think of their family. Uh, it is mm-hmm. so tragic. Uh, before we go on, I'm, I'm going to get you to pray at the end here because that's the most important thing we can do. Yeah. Doctor Burhani, is there any understanding or, in terms of how many believers, uh, followers of Jesus, are in prison in Eritrea right now?
1: No, I can uh, I can say between 400 and 500. Um, I, I remember last year there were 130, but uh, about 300 more uh, are in prison. So r- roughly o- over 400, I, I think. Um, even even since January, uh, we had 44, then 30, then this 100. So 170 since January. And before that, there were 98 in September. There were 29 in March last year they were 25 somewhere in baran sometimes in may so there were 17 in asmara sometime last year in may or april so we have uh, about uh, 420 430 i would say that the minimum uh, number right
0: and the, and those are just the ones you know about and i know kind yes. of back you know a few years after the arrest started taking place there were thousands and course many have escaped the country have left the country uh i mean it's it's tragic if there was just one in prison we should be concerned but yeah. uh, there's hundreds and then thousands and thousands of families have been affected by uh the government of isaiah Workey. uh you know we pray that god's will would be done we pray we know that god's judgment will come Um uh, mm. again that's not for us to, you know, do that. It's vengeance belongs to the Lord. We know that, yeah. but yet we still raise our voice. We pray, we help, we do whatever we can. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, you know, you know, just even talking to you in many of the other interviews I do, there's there's this, this sadness, there's this heartache of people suffering. And I've met family members and those that have been in prison from Eritrea and other nations. And there's the human factor. And yet there's also... What God is doing in the midst of persecution—it's—it's um, it's both the yeah. the grief and the sorrow, but it's incredible joy and hope that we have in Jesus because of that. So, Dr. Bahani, before we go, can can let's pray for Eritrea. If I could get you to lead us in that, okay, yeah.
1: Lord Jesus, we bring uh, all these uh, prisoners and their families to you. We want to thank you for um, that for you keeping them safe and also especially strong in their faith and we believe that you will continue to do so but especially the suffering is sometimes more for the family than the uh, the prisoners for their children for their wives there is financial constraints there is uh, a lot of pressure from neighbors from family members lord i pray that you will continue to intervene in all these situations and uh, confer to those who mourn and especially uh, Pastor tesfai's family. We bring them to you. It's a very sad situation. Uh, the only um, good thing is Pastor Tesfai is now with you. Yeah. Uh, so it's not his death is not in vain. Uh, it's like a seed uh, in the country. That's why many people are coming to faith. Mm-hmm. So Lord, we pray um, that you keep all these prisoners safe, their health and also their, especially their uh, mental uh, health. We pray that you be with them and protect them. And also we pray for the Eritrean government. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that the, uh, the Eritrean president is the right person to stay in power. So uh, we give him to you. We pray that you deal with with him. So we we need a change uh, in the the country. So, Lord, we pray that you also intervene. You have the power to remove those in power and to bring uh, another one, because you are the Lord of heaven and earth. Everything belongs to you. So, Lord, we pray for all the government, uh, those in the government offices. Um, Help them to be a little bit uh, uh, humble, uh, and also compassionate to those who are suffering. Um, Especially I want to thank you for all these families of prisoners for you keeping them strong in faith. I have uh, the opportunity to speak to many of them, and they are really, you know, uh, comforting or encouraging to see they are strong in faith. So Lord, I pray that you keep them safe and also give them uh, what they need. Uh, We pray for provision. In Jesus'
0: name, amen. Amen. Dr. Brahani Asmalash, Director of Release Eritrea, thank you so much for joining me. I know it's a difficult ministry you're involved in, uh, and as I said before, there's, there's incredible joy because of the strength that we hear from our brothers and sisters. It's so inspirational. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, on the other hand, uh, these are people that are suffering. And, as, and even as you were praying, you know, I think of the families and I know of a family here in Canada, uh, the, the children are doing okay because they've been raised in Canada. They've gotten university education. They're doing well. But uh, the wife of one of these brothers, uh, you know, she just you know, got PTSD. I mean, she's suffering. Yes, she has strong faith, but uh, there's a sadness and there's in some cases there's guilt well why am i here and my husband is still languishing in a prison it's you know but we pray for them we encourage them uh i've you know had the great opportunity to being involved in ministry to eritrea in ethiopia and i uh, have many friends you know that are from those nations and uh, you know we'll just continue to pray and uh, we love eritrea it is a wonderful country, and I know that uh, many of my Eritrean friends, and you probably like this as well, can you know long for the day when you can go that to that nation and and to be able to walk the streets of Asmara and visit the country. It's such an amazing country, and. So we'll keep praying for that. And, uh, and by the way, okay. if you'd like to find out more about the work of Release Eritrea, I'm going to put a link on the uh, episode notes to your Facebook page. People can find out more about what you're doing. And uh, also ask those you know watching, listening, if you could rate this podcast, uh, make a comment. It'll help other people find out what we're doing uh, in our help for the persecuted church and also to support and to pray. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you again, Dr. Brahani Asmalash. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. you. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.